0: Last time on d Do you really want to know what's in your future,
1: Graf? You got to know the rules so you can break them.
0: There's much happening in the plaza.
2: They need our help. It's just the three of us and our our friend here. He's with us, don't worry. Three more flesh bags here. I'm losing a lot of blood. We got it handled. All
1: right, Scrappy, time to mosey.
0: Spikes from the spine of Scrappy fire out and deflect off the armor of the Warforge. And you see a figure you recognize. It seems like the weight of the world is resting on her shoulder. She grins her iconic grin. The copper face of Kali Al-Arandi. It's about time you guys made it. Who are you again? Orange Eyes presents a Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition campaign. DM'd by Alex LeFerrier. Starring... Andrew Gallagher playing Erd, Ian Seelig playing Garam, and John Selig playing Graf. Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War, Season 2. Unearthing distant memories, the Mornland toys with a past long dead. <laughs> 3 Therindor, early spring, the healing month. 992 YK. Back in the city of Calazart, years ago, where you were fresh faced and a young group, you're meeting Kali Alaron for another job. With her delicate smile, copper skin, fresh cornrows, and her leather backpack filled with different trinkets and items that she's pulled out and stocked over the course of your adventures.
3: Uh, Kelly, what do you got for us this time? I can't believe we got out of that last one just by the skin of our teeth, huh?
2: (laughs) I turn to him and I say, it seems like you like this adventure a little too much. Make sure that you're careful
0: out there. She smiles. She has the look of youth about her, a bright energy.
2: We do make a pretty good team.
3: Well, I got you backing me up, my friend always seems to work out when we're together and speaking of being together where's that Graf guy anyway
1: Graf just saunters in slowly gives a look to erd says golly what have you got for me today she greets you in the
0: way that you guys have always greeted each other holds out her hand and grabs your forearm and then you guys bump elbows and then back to back you finish off your greeting
1: just tell me again, what's the benefit of having such a conspicuous secret handshake, Kali? Cause it's fun, am I right? Yeah. <gasps> gives kind of a shifty look. He's not really sure if fun for the f- fun's sake is is worth it. But he just kind of gives a just a half smile. You barely can even tell. And just kind of shakes his head. And
0: all right. I know we just wrapped up one job, but I got another one lined up for us. This one will be a quick one. You guys interested?
3: Okay, we're always
0: interested if,
3: you know, the price is right, and uh, yeah, we make a little bit of coin, we work together, and it's all good, right,
0: Callie, huh? You know how this thing works. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs as well. And it's against the ones that we've been trying to get back at the most. And now I'll ask you guys, collectively, against who?
3: My vote is Thrain, because uh, they're the champions of the Silver Flame
0: religious vigilantes. I like that. Yeah, I'm fine to go against Thrain. And Callie leans back on her haunches the leather straps of her backpack. I agree boys, Thrain's up to no good. It's about time we reposition some of their troops. Maybe we can let them know that Sire's the one that should be leading this whole nation, as rightfully so. <laughs> and don't worry, I'll make it worth your time. I know all of us have different interests. Maybe power, she winks at Graf. Reputation, nudging Erd. Yeah. Or maybe even family. Dare I say, (laughs) laughing at Garam. He just
2: gives her a weird look. He raises his eyebrow at her.
0: Well, Callie, you line him up and we knock him down. You know how this works. I'm a little worried though. I didn't think we could pull this one off, but maybe you guys can think of something that I can't. Two of these three aren't that bad, but this last one, the Shivering Mountains, is at least a couple days away, but we need to get this signal ready tonight. A signal? Garm, you know, today, it's three Zol of Farindor. happens to be your birthday. And today of all days, besides your birthday, is the last day of Brightfest, which is a shifter holiday that ends the end of winter and the beginning of spring. You know that today is also the day the Hall of Master Howl, with its true portal, teleports to the Shivering Mountains. I can't find the Shivering Mountains on a map. You won't. They're on the western edge of Sire. These are things that you know, though. No one else does. There's a pyre there that needs to be lit, but it needs to be lit tonight. <sighs> I'm trying to arrange some sort of House Lirendir airship, or or maybe some sort of high mage, but I don't think we can afford it. The other two are pretty easy, though. Erd, I'm asking you to go lower the banner on the edge of Kalazart. You know, that infinite breezing banner that's always flowing? We need to send the signal. This is all part of it. And it won't start until Graf. Tips off Rokas in Watcher's way. Graf, tell him the crow flies at midnight, but if we don't get the Shivering Mountain Pyre lit, all of this is for naught.
2: Don't worry, I can take care of that. Darren, what do you got? How are you going to get to the Shivering Mountains? I'll be there and back before you even realize I'm gone. You sure? I promise I will take care of it. I will light that pyre. When do I light the pyre? By
0: the end of the day. If we can finish off the last piece of this job and everything falls into place... We'll make sure Thrain has what's coming to him.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll be ready. She gives you a finger guns. I think I've seen that banner fly a few times with
3: my travels. I got your back, Callie.
1: The raven flies on Sunday.
3: I got it. It's fine. No,
0: no, no, Graff. Graff, it's the crow.
1: That's what I said.
0: All right. You know, Graf, you're always managing to pull my strings, but you keep me on edge.
1: It gives her a wink, but you can't tell if it's antagonistic or sweet.
0: All right, I can trust you guys. Meet at the House Civis message station when the job is done. I'm getting us notes from a House Kundarak deposit, and we'll get paid handsomely if we manage to get this job off right. You know, just a way to entice us, Callie. <laughs> See you guys there. She starts heading off into Kalazart, following the Eternal River to the Fireweave Bazaar. So Callie Alrun has described to you the requirement of lowering this infinite banner on the edge of the city of Kalazart. The banner that's blown in the breeze since anyone can remember. By lowering this banner, she describes how it'll send a message to those watching. It's normally patrolled by the city guard. It's not really anything of importance other than just a magically enchanted banner. That is until you find your way there. You see Erd
3: on the streets of Kalazart blending his way in and he seems at home in this place among these people and he's making his way through the crowds and he sees the furled up banner up above him. What does it look like?
0: This banner blows with the Nation of Sire's sigil on it. Its bright colors shine in the wind.
3: And Erd looking up to the to the banner looks down and he sees kind of a guy on the street sitting down out of his luck you know asking for some change or some money, and her just kind of taps him on the shoulder and looks up and says,
0: hey, what's that thing up over there? Pointing to the banner. You see this guy sitting down and he's holding up various trinkets, various souvenirs. Ah, (laughs) the banner of Sire. A moment of pride for us as Syrians.
3: Yeah, I feel that every time I walk by this thing. Hey, why
0: is this thing all furled up here, huh? Is it, you know, not unfurled for some sort of reason, you think, or is it normal? I'll tell you if you buy one of my souvenirs. Yeah, sure. Erd just throws some coins at him. Ah, that's probably enough for one of these. He picks up a broken piece of wood. You see, this was a piece of an airship. If you carry it around, they say you may be able to fly in your next life. Huh. Kind of like that banner that's flying in the wind. You know, they say it blows eternally for the nation of Sire. May she live on forever.
3: May she live on. Erd takes the piece of wood and slips it into his pocket and starts making his way closer uh, to the banner, sneaking his way around, staying within the crowds and edging up higher and higher towards where the banner is
0: hanging. As the guards pass back and forth, they don't pay any attention to you. This is a well-traveled place in the city of Kalazart. You can see some of these soldiers take a moment to pay their respect to the blowing flag of Sire. So Ur
3: just, as he's passing the banner and soaking it in, he's getting higher and higher to the point where he thinks he can lower it and he's looking around to see if there's any sort of rope or pulley system that he can kind of, you know, take advantage of to to lower the thing.
0: You find the mechanism required to lower the flag down the mast. And Erd, sitting next to the mechanism,
3: he he stands next to it, and he puts his foot up against the wall, and he's holding the piece of wood that was gifted as a souvenir, and he's just kind of looking at it and, and, you know, (laughs) taking it in and... As he goes to put it back in his pocket, his elbow hits the mechanism and he jams it purposefully to try to lower it down.
0: The mechanism clunks heavily and starts spiraling out of control. And as it
3: starts moving, urge just starts shifting into the crowd and starts passing and moving back
0: into it. As the rope curls around the winch, the flag lowers down the mast.
3: Erd's slinking his way back through the crowd and just blends right back in. None the wiser to the guards that pass him.
0: Moments later, you hear some calls from the guard. The pride of Sire is down! Raise the flags, raise the flags! Seems they're a little bit caught off guard by the lowering of the flag. Almost as if their ego has been burst. Or their hearts have been broken. Meanwhile, at Watcher's Way... A crowd has gathered around two people engaged in a heated discussion about the war. You overhear a conversation in which people are just arguing about all sides of the war. Can't believe
1: they attacked that city. Graf just continues going about his business, but perks an ear up, just so anything. we can hear how this conversation's going.
0: We used to have the control of that. It's our borders. It's our right. And it seems they're warring about various towns and cities and forts around the edges of Sire. Some of them are for what Sired has done. Some of them are against. They're just in deep debate about the course of events. One of them turns towards you. Don't you agree? Gentlemen.
1: Gentlemen. Excuse me. I'm looking for... Wait. Could either of you... Uh, Ruckus. Is one of you Ruckus? Ruckus? Do you agree or not? I agree that the political borders of our neighboring nations is a tricky matter that can't easily be solved by a couple of lay people like yourselves.
0: Their eyes roll, see, this this, this kind of talk is the reason why we're in this war. See, some of these people from the crowd agree, others disagree, some of them slip into Watcher's way. You know, the seedy underbelly, the seedy underground passageway normally is overlooked by the everyday public.
1: Well, if you're going to be rude, I'll just take my leave kind of slips back and tries to make his way toward that easily missed entrance. One
0: of these people from the crowd puts their hand on your shoulder. Do it for Sire!
1: Do it for us! And he lets you on your way. I just give him like a knowing nod, even though it's totally not knowing. Like, hmm, like yeah, brother, but I just keep moving.
0: And as you slip into Watcher's way, you know, it's the underground in which you can find all sorts of things. It smells like hash and burning incense. Barrels and casks of alcohol lie in the back wall. And there's caskets full of bodies that look like they've been pilfered of their organs. You can get anything you want in Watcher's Way. And there, a stout, plump man with a horseshoe ring of hair sits all sweatily on top of an empty barrel. This is raucous. This fat, sweaty man looks up at you. And he takes the last swig of a dirty glass. And he sits in the pale red light that lights Watcher's
1: way. That doesn't look so bad. Got some of it for me.
0: And he smiles a dirty brown green toothy grin. I love to share with friends. Agreed.
1: I think we have um, a common interest. And Graf picks up a bottle. He looks around, finds a couple of uh, steins, you know, and... um, Sets him down and starts busying himself. He goes, "Um, you know, there's a, a poem I've been reading that has been pretty good. And I think two friends could share a reading over a drink. And I hand him a stein full of ale. And I cheers and just wink and say to Sire.
0: Sire, huh? She is a thing of beauty, isn't she? I'll drink to that, my friend. And he raises a dirty glass as well. And I clink. And he starts gulping heartily on the ale.
1: Graf just thinks, like, at least I know it's not poison. Takes one gentle sip. It tastes, um, herbaceous. It's better than it looks from a place full of gaskets and this guy with rotten teeth. It's good. I don't normally share this. Well. Maybe you'll offer me a a whole case once I tell you my story. Little tale, um, how does it go? It's about a raven at noontime. No, that's not right. It's about blackbird flies.
0: Is this about about the poem? Or are you telling me a story? Pardon? I'm not one for poetry.
1: Oh, my friend, the poem is the story. Haven't you heard about the crow flies at midnight?
0: And he chokes a little bit on the ale. (laughs) Tell it to me again.
1: The crow flies at
2: midnight.
0: (laughs) Again. Again! The crow flies at midnight. Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) And he gets up off the empty barrel and starts waddling further into Watcher's way. The crow! The crow! He disappears into the darkness.
1: And I just kind of look around and shrug and drink the rest of my ale. Meanwhile, at the hall of Master Howell,
0: Garam, you approach this big long house. Currently,
2: the sun is setting, and it is brimming. So right before sunset, I walk up and I make my way up to the hall of Master Howell I throw open the door, and I walk in, and I find a seat at the bar. I look around. There's a ton of people. A few that I might have seen before, but no one I really know. I just kind of enjoy people watching. I grab a, I grab a drink and just wait and observe for a little while until the sun has set. A big, large, thick half-orc
0: lumbers around behind the bar. You know him, Fluin. He's the one that frequents the place. Fluin makes sure people's drinks are filled, fights don't break out, and everyone is tended to in the Howl way. (laughs) Everyone well, everyone well. Tonight's a special night. It's the last night of Brightfest, and you hear the shifters. You hear there's some shifters in the room and they're like and they're all like
2: cheering heartily. Here, here! I'll drink to that. Are you celebrating with the rest of your kind tonight? You can say that tonight is a very special night for me. Not only is it the last night of Brightfest, it happens to be my birthday. Fluent takes a step back. Your birthday. Today of all days. Too
0: good to be true, right? That deserves an extra drink. And he points over some other shifters who are gathered around a table. It's this guy's birthday over here. And they look over, and their eyes are feline and canine, and they light up, and they the pupils dilate as they focus in on you. A birthday on the end of breakfast. a birthday. is a, a birthday. And they're talking amongst themselves. As they seem to be in a frenzy, and uproar, and they start pounding on the table in celebration.
2: Well, I can't say I expected this, but... Thank you, everyone. And Fluin brings in two extra drinks. You know, they say a person's
0: birthday is extra special in the hall of Master Howell. And why is that? They say that the person's night goes exactly how they want it to. Or rather, how Master Howell wants it to. Where if you don't agree with Master Howell, you better end up dead. <laughs> and everyone laughs
2: in an uproar. Well, thank you very much for the, the kind words and the delicious drink. And he leans in a little bit closer. Are you here for the portal? I am.
0: We get your kind around here, especially during Brightfest. You know where it's headed tonight, don't you?
2: It's going to the mountains, I believe. The Shivering Mountains. There's nothing but tremors. I would be warned. I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'll take my chances, but I appreciate your warning. Celebrate as heartily as you can here. While you can. Young one. I tend to be a little bit more of a loner. But I guess I guess there's no harm in celebrating a little bit before I go through that door. I grab my drinks and I head over to see if there's an empty chair at the table of shifters. From under the
0: table someone kicks out a chair and offers you an empty seat. <laughs> Join us.
2: <laughs> and there's a night of revelry ahead of you according to the look in their eyes. I take a seat. I pull up and I I say, thank you all very much. You must be a city boy with an attitude like that, (laughs) ha, 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 and the other
0: shifters start scratching at the tables and clawing at their meat. There's a whole
2: table full of food in front of them. Yeah, I've, uh, I've grown up around Kalazart my whole life. I, uh, one of the reasons I keep coming back here is so that I can go through that portal and experience a little bit more in nature.
0: Maybe not tonight. It is your birthday, am I right?
2: Yes, yes. Who who are we going to make out this birthday steak to? My name is Garam. Garam! Garam!
0: And they start chanting your name. Get him a harem! (laughs) Get him a harem! And they start just bringing in drinks and steaks and beers, and it starts to get rowdy as the night goes on. Before you know it, at least a couple hours have gone by.
2: So after eating my fill of steak and having perhaps a little bit too much ale. I remember the real reason why I'm here. And I, I stand up to make my leave and I thank everyone very much. And I head towards the door. They grab you and pull you down into the chair.
0: Garum! Garum! They're getting very rambunctious.
2: My friends, my friends, thank you for celebrating and making my birthday. One of the most special I've ever had. But unfortunately, it is getting late and I do need to head out. They start getting a little bit rough with you. You can't leave us, brother. It's your birthday. It's the last night of Brightfest. <laughs> I give them some hearty punches in the arm and grab them around the neck and, you know, playfully wrestle them back. But eventually, I I stand firm. Don't worry, I'll be back very soon, but I have to go.
0: Well, you better bring back that tail you're
2: chasing after for the rest of us. (laughs) And I turn to go through the portal. As you turn to leave
0: the hall, you see that the entryway that you walked into now has a shimmering translucent blue light as the sun is long set. People keep entering through it, but you notice a lot of people are not leaving through this door, as if you see a shimmering mirage of a landscape ahead of you, a cold, blistering mountain.
2: I, I steel myself up to get ready to head into this seemingly cold and dangerous terrain. And I think about Graf and Erd and Kali and the fact that the whole plan is, is riding on me to get this right. I walk through the portal. It feels like you're walking through
0: thick gel as you walk through the portal. There's a little bit of resistance, and as you walk through the portal, you find yourself on the landscape of the Shivering Mountains. It's cold, it's windy, but completely quiet. The ground underneath you is still, and there's a peak some ways away that would be the top of the mountain chain. It's going to take some time to get there. You can still see the shimmering light behind you that leads back into the hall.
2: Well, I knew this wasn't going to be easy, and I, I break out in a little bit of a, a run, and I try to work my way up towards the, uh, towards that distant peak, make my way to the top to light the pyre. It's going to take you some time, and the further away
0: from this doorway you get, the more you feel the shaking rumbling of the ground underneath you. It's a treacherous place with very
2: thin walkways, very thin passage to the tip of the mountain. I go as fast as I can while making sure I stay on solid ground and I keep my sure footing. The further I go, the slower I have to go to get there safely, but I know what's, what's riding on this, so I push on slowly intensifies,
0: and you just can find your way, but the shaking, shuddering of the mountain
2: prevents easy passage and egress. It's gonna take you some time to get there. I press on. I know what we have to do. I'm not gonna let my team down.
0: Hours of navigating this treacherous landscape do you finally reach the peak. The wind blows across your hair. Icicles form at the tips, and you see a wooden pyre has been set up here.
2: I reach into my pack, and I pull out my flint and steel, and I start trying to light the pyre.
0: You start striking the flint and steel. You're struggling against the cold wind. You're struggling against the natural resistance of the earth around you as it shudders and trembles. After a while, the third strike
2: lights the tinder ablaze as it starts spreading to the rest of the pyre. I try to shield it from the wind and the cold a little bit. Once it starts picking up a little bit more, I gently blow towards the base of the fire. Not enough to put it out, but just enough to, to help it spread, give it some air. Your skills lighting fire, your skills of navigating
0: the natural landscape have come to fruition as this pyre burns ablaze at the top
2: of the shivering mountains. I take maybe one or two minutes to admire my handiwork, and to warm up a little bit by the fire for my truck home. And after probably about two minutes, I look around to see if I notice anything, and then I head back the same path I took to get there.
0: As the pyre burns bright, it seems like the mountain is reacting to the heat, reacting to the light. Maybe it's in your mind, maybe it's artificial. But the intensity of the mountains takes a new extreme, preventing the passage back home.
2: Is it like breaking the pathways and rocks are crumbling and I can't get through, or? Yeah, rocks are crumbling, sliding around. You'll be able to find your way back. It's just going to take a lot more time. I try my best to get back to that blue shimmering portal, but I know it's going to take me a while, and I know I'll be cutting it pretty close but I press on, and I try to make my way there as fast as I can safely. Throughout the night, storm rages on. The
0: mountains aren't giving you any rest. And if it wasn't for the sliver of closing blue light ahead of you, your direction would be completely aimless. The portal is closing.
2: As the sun slowly crests, the horizon. Provided I can see the path ahead of me and it seems relatively clear, I know that my time is short. It's getting a lot lighter as it starts to... As the sun starts to come up and the sky goes from like a black to a dark blue to a slightly lighter blue, which is pretty scary because I know that if that portal goes away, I'm trapped here. As soon as I see a clear path, I get down on all fours and I burst into a sprint. And as you start clawing your way through the ravine of the natural
0: rock and the shuddering debris around you. So
2: as I'm close enough to the portal,
0: I take my last shot and I leap right at it. The sun crests the mountains behind you and a single ray of light shines down onto the portal. And as you sprint towards it in full speed, it winks out of existence just as you
2: leap at it. And then I end up falling hard right on the rock. I skid a little bit in the, the light snow. <sighs> Shouldn't have had that last flask of ale. It's going to be a long walk to Kalazart. I just kind of sit there for a minute and I think about all of my options. If it was still... Brightfest, I could just wait until the next night and go back through the portal. But who knows where it's going to be now. So at this point, I have no other choice than to just try and walk back to Kalazart. I think through if there's any towns that I know of nearby, if there's any lightning rail passageways anything that could transport me and I can't think of anything so I decide that I guess I need to brave the elements and I start walking back towards Kalazart I know that Kalazart would be a little bit northeast from the mountains so I get my bearings based on the sun and I start walking
0: Meanwhile, back in Kalazart, two of you eventually gather at the House Civis message station. And there, Kali Alran greets you two. It's about time you guys made it here.
3: <laughs> well, we made it here. Erud's looking around, waiting to see if you can see Garam at all.
1: I don't think we'd have such an easy time getting rid of him.
3: Graf, you think we should go find Garum? He's the one with the nose. Yeah, you know, dogs tend to find their way back home anyway, right? Smart ones do. Yeah. Well, let's hope he's one of them, huh? Two out of three, huh? Callie, did we mess this one up? I mean, did Garum
0: finally fail us? Garum didn't fail us at all.
3: (laughs) I don't think he would.
0: (laughs) According to my contacts, everything's fallen into place. I'm sure he'll get here when he gets here. Until then, she holds up some House Kundarak notes denoting gold pieces.
1: The money looks good on you. I'll take my
0: slice. And even if he doesn't, it's not like we all live forever, am I right? She fans the House Cunderact notes. It's about time you got here. Are you right? You got Just know that the job got done. Those words ring in your mind as we flash forward to a very similar House Civis message station six years into the future, in the Fireweave Bazaar. It's about time you got here. What was your names again? And there Callie stands, looking like the weight of the world on her shoulders, wrinkles in her eyes, gray hair weaved throughout her cornrows. Her iconic leather backpack is worn and torn, seems to have carried the weight of a thousand stories. You see a small figure running around. Erd, you know this is Nella. There's papers strewn about, broken glass, stacks of unread messages, and notes meant to be delivered that never found their way to their rightful owners. In the back of the house of message station, you also see a warforged.
3: Erd is still kind of like coming off his rage and he's boiling inside. And I don't know. I never thought I'd see you here. Oh my. And he still can't contain himself and he's kind of coming down from his high.
0: The Warforge steps up. He has his weapons drawn. The Warforge is sleek and slender and looks different from the other Warforge you've encountered at this point. He has gems as rivets all along his breastplate. And at first he's ready to defend Callie and Nella. But as you guys hold back, he seems to also just stand still. Now just, just, t- 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 take a, take a moment there. Sprocket, eh? Ern speaks up after
3: seeing him. Meet the rabble as he looks to graphic We're old friends of Kali's. We came here for you guys, the Grey Dogs, and to find something that Bellalore's looking for.
0: Nella hasn't even noticed you guys. The way the windows are situated, they're meant for people of lower stature, so they're perfectly sized for a halfling to look through. She has her back up against the wall, and she keeps looking out, holding a, Crossbow firing back at the warforged across the way. So that's in can's not with you, huh? Callie's kind of, a little bit taken aback, still kind of looking you guys over. Sprocket looking over you guys, holding up this glowing piece of glass that he's using for a shield. We are the Grey Dogs, and we just needed to take to take take a minute to get to know each other. And I'm I'm glad you all spent a moment. And you hear Nella over by the window. Callie's got morning sickness. Nella, I t- 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 told you not to use that term. It's not accurate. Morning. why she's so sad. We've been in here for a, some time now. She thought she could hold it off. Callie's just kind of swaying around. You, 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 you guys. You guys. Great. Great. Just the people we needed. These, these warforged have been on our back for the last, I don't even know how long. We've bounced back and forth all through the fireweave bazaar. Sprockets speaks up. We've done the, the best we c- c- can amongst amongst the fireweed bazaar.
1: Why did you come here originally?
0: And Callie looks everyone over. We're, we're, tr- we're trying we're trying to... We're... And Nella, with her back against the wall, crate 300, remember? And that immediately makes Callie spring into place. Yes, yes, of course. Of course, how could I forget?
3: How could I forget? Right, oh yeah, that old chestnut. Erd sees this conversation happening, Graf talking to Sprocket and to Callie, and he sees Nella firing off the crossbow, and he just runs back over to her and puts his back to the wall and gets his bow ready, and he's ready to deal with the with the matter at hand, which is finishing off these war forges and protecting the group at large. And he looks over to Nella and just kind of winks at her and gives her a heads
0: up, and it's like, long time no see, Nella, huh? Never thought we'd meet again. Nella turns over. Any fresh bodies on our side, we'll... And she stops in her tracks. Erd! Oh, gee, God. Erd! Oh. She starts wringing her hands in typical Nella fashion. I, 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 are you hurt? <coughs> I'm a little bit banged up myself. Uh, just a
3: little bit, as he brushes a little of the blood off of him from the previous encounter.
0: Seems like the gray dogs are trying to get their bearings, and they're just recently entered this house, Civis message station. Callie's looking fervently in all the little compartments that line the walls, holding messages, pulling out pieces of paper, scattering the place. She's immediately gone from one thing to
1: another. How can we best help you? Defeat the other warforged, or find the crate, or get the hell out of here? We, we, we. Spockets
0: doing his best to keep the situation balanced and leveled. T- 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 take inventory of everything We've come here for one job I want to get Callie out of here But she, 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 she's Just not l-
2: listening Graf cracks a smile Yeah, that sounds about right So the whole time that everyone Has been springing into action And making introductions And reintroductions Garam's just been Standing off to the side Just trying to take everything in I'm kind of overcome with so many different emotions at seeing Callie, but also seeing her in this state and having her not even recognize us at first, and still not knowing if she truly understands who we are. And so, at this point, after hearing Sprocket say that he wants to get Callie out of here, I I verify. So you've looked everywhere. You can't find Crate Three Hundred.
0: Earn pipes up. Check near Two Ninety Nine, huh? Sprocket turns towards Erd. That would be correct. The rest of our p- p- party have looked around the rest of the fire Fireweave b- Bazaar, and we haven't heard b- b- back from them. We have to t- 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 take their word for it, so I don't know if this whole place has been searched.
1: Is anyone missing?
0: And Nella speaks up. Yes, we're missing Tandor.
2: I have some bad news. I'm g- g- guessing he's d- d- dead. I'm very sorry. We
0: got there too late. Understood. Was he alone? Was Tandor alone? Yes. No, couldn't have been. He was with Dervo. No shit. They were together. Who's Dervo? Dervo Tellus, The dwarf. The compatriot from the Lazar Principalities. So
1: he's here somewhere? Did we see him? We didn't see him.
2: No, we have not found... We haven't combed. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff we have not looked at.
3: And Erd, see, feeling the the tension of the moment, says... We gotta, we gotta make a move, guys. We gotta get going quick because we're not the only ones looking for this thing. There's also this group, the Gentry. They're on our tails. They're following us on our way out of salvation. We gotta make some time and we gotta move. We're not the only ones looking for this thing.
1: So what do we do? Do we take down the Warforged so that we can buy a minute to breathe? Do we evacuate Kali because she's about to have a mental break? Or do we pretend the warforged aren't here and look for the crate and dervo i feel like we have to defeat the warforged right
2: the problem is there is at least six of them possibly more but
1: now we just got some new party members yes and
3: also just the smell of the perfume i am thinking some sort of flame would be helpful in this situation to potentially
2: blow up the perfumery Do you think it would be such a big explosion that we would be taken out as well? I don't know, might as well
3: try.
0: Also,
2: is the crate in there or is Durvo passed out in there? (laughs) Touché. The two were
0: responsible searching for bolts and tumblers, last I heard. We got separated when the Warforged intervened in our search.
2: What do you say we all work together
0: and take out these Warforged, huh? We could certainly try. Callie's looking furiously.
1: We've got to find the crate. It'll be easier to find the crate when we're not being attacked.
0: You don't understand. We could use it. You don't understand, we could use it.
1: You're right, I don't understand. Well, let's find it and use it, huh, guys? I hear you, but if we're dead, we'll never find it. Garum, toss all these guys a healing potion.
2: I pass out a healing potion to Sprocket and Callie. I drink one myself, and then I tell Graf to give one to Nella, and to take one if he and Erd need one.
3: Erd's going to take one thunk from Garam as he slips the one out of his pocket, cracks it open, thunk,
2: thunk, thunk, thunk,
1: thunk.
3: knocks it down.
2: 2d4 plus 2 for 50
3: gold? What the fuck? <laughs> what a ripoff. Salvation's a tough place.
1: I make sure Nella gets hers.
3: Erd knocks back the healing potion and regains 6 HP to put him at 25.
1: And I
2: heal
0: eight. So I'm not perfect, but I'm doing okay. So Garam, as you hand it over to Callie, she first looks it over and reaches out for it. As she grabs it, she looks at you. Nodding deeply. A moment of recognition kind of flashes in her eyes. Yes. Yes.
2: This
0: will help us find the crate.
2: We will help you.
0: Sprocket rejects it. I'm completely fully functional.
2: (laughs) I'm fully... Fully,
1: fully, fully, fully functional. functional. Hey, don't make fun of his stutter. He can't help it.
0: Yes, it's not his fault he sounds like a sprocket. Okay, we have five left. Drink heartily. Those warforged are quite the
3: challenge. Yeah, we took out a few of them already. Let's do a couple more, guys. What do you say?
1: I say let's be careful. I pat Scrappy. We're ready.
2: Let's go, man. Let's take out these warforged. Should we strategize a bit? There are six that are visible in the perfumery.
1: Right. So what about Sprocket, Nella,
2: and Kali? Will they join us in the fight? That's what we need to figure out. Who's going to be a part of this?
3: Uh, so I think Nella would, and then Sprocket maybe, but Callie is looking for the crate.
1: I still think if we band together and take down the Warforged, we'll have plenty of time to find the crate.
2: I agree with you, but I have one question really quick. Callie, how big is this crate? It's great size.
0: <laughs> it's big. It's big. We would need Tandor or Dervo with us to bring it out, but with you three here, we could definitely use your muscles. It's got to be around here somewhere. She starts pawing through papers, looking desperately for something. I-, I know it's in here. I know it's in here.
2: Should we explore the room first? Did
1: Crate 300 never exist?
0: It's got to exist. I've, I've been fo- I followed the paperwork. I saw the transactions. From the ship.
2: Delivered. All of a sudden, she just gets really grave. It's here. Well, why don't Nella and Erd keep us safe while we all kind of look through this room, at least for a minute or two, just see if we can find anything. The funny thing is Graf
3: is the only person who's technically seen the crate besides Dervos.
0: Yeah. Graf has seen the crate with its vertical 300 typeface. Yeah,
3: Graf, uh, how big is the crate?
1: It's big 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 crate crate size <laughs> I don't know it's like uh probably eight foot by eight foot by eight foot one crate by one crate <laughs> exactly you get it so Erd has his
3: back against a wall with his bow just ready maybe popping off a shot here and there
0: you guys are doing your best to defend this message station
2: and I look around and I roll an investigation. So that's only going to be a 13. You don't notice much on this level of the house of his message
0: station, other than this place has seen a lot of wear and tear, especially with the recent battle happening with the Warforged. Graf, we could really use those orange eyes
1: over here. I'll take a look. But in the back of his head, Graf's thinking about Dervo, and he's thinking he had a good head on his shoulders. Maybe he can either talk some sense into Kali or help us find the stupid crate. And he's thinking... I wonder if Scrappy can track. But first, he's going to look around and see if there's any hints or sign of the crate in this room and, and help Garam
0: with a 12. You equally know what Garam knows. Uh, Can Scrappy track? Not really, and he's meant to defend
1: its owners. I'd go with him, but yeah, okay.
0: Sure, okay, then yeah. He would help you in that process, but not alone.
1: Callie, do you have anything of Dervos? We're gonna try and find him.
0: Callie kind of looks up. Durvo, we're trying to find the crate. So as you guys start searching around the message station, there's a deep rumbling. Erd, you feel a sense, you feel a warning from off in the distance. Nimble, the pseudo dragon, sends you another emotional message. A message of warning, a message of alertness, of danger, of being overwhelmed, of being surrounded, of being scared.
3: You see Erd from his normal hunched over post being defensive and being strong. All of a sudden you see his eyes kind of widen and he's like, oh, guys, we gotta get moving guys. Enough lollygagging around. I just, I don't feel, I don't feel right about this. Somebody's coming, something's happening, we gotta move right now. As he gets his bow and he gets ready and pulls it back. He's ready to shoot another uh, arrow through the perfumery. Let's go, guys, come on. The crate's not here.
1: But that, Graf looks at Sprocket and says, do you have anything of Dervos? If we don't find him now, we might not find him. Nella might.
0: I'm not one to carry such personal belongings around for people.
1: You're really going to make me ask all of you, huh? Nella. Hurry up, Graf. Come on. He walks over to Nella. Do you have anything of Dervo's? We need to find him and get this show on the road.
0: He, he lent me some of his smoking tobacco. Here's his pouch.
1: That's a long shot, but I'll take it. How do I uh, do this? Do I make a, a a handle animal check with Scrappy or a use magic device? What is it for Scrappy? Do, yeah.
0: Knowledge Arcana, handle animal. Both.
1: So 18-handle animal, 12 arcana.
0: So you start feeding Scrappy some of these pieces, some of the personal belongings of Durvo, and all of a sudden Scrappy starts reacting and pointing a little bit off in the distance around the bend towards Bolt and Tumblers.
1: Okay, can I get there safely?
0: You'd have to leave the message station and arc around the bend. You'd exit into the plaza where the Warforged would be able to easily see you, maybe unleash a very deadly attack. Nella and Erd have been holding them at bay, launching arrows across the way. Garam and Callie and yourself have been searching the house Civis message station. Sprocket stands monitoring the whole situation. That deep rumble intensifies as the ground starts shaking, dust starts fluttering from the roof The wood beams start creaking and bending. Seems like this whole message station floor is sagging underneath the weight of everyone standing in here.
1: We have to go now.
0: Graf, you see the southern wall of the plaza station explode in a giant burst of wood and cinders.
1: Sure hope that's Dervo with the crate.
0: I don't have a good feeling about this. Suddenly the whole marketplace shakes as an iron machine smashes through the south plaza wall. It moves on giant rollers, and its oil streaked chassis is carved into the snarling face of a demon. Warforged raiders spill out of the machine and spread out across the plaza. As their machine thunders past the building, the floor continues to tremble beneath your feet and collapses inward, pitching you all into a dusty storage basement one roll dexterity saves.
3: Danger sense, so I get an advantage. First roll, two. Fifteen. Sixteen. Second roll, nineteen. Nice. Yeah, so twenty for
0: Erd. <laughs> As you all tumble into the basement, you manage to avoid damage from the rubble and debris scattering around you. You find yourselves in the dark cellar filled with dusty packing boxes, rubble, and broken pottery urns. Stairs opposite, ascend into the darkness. As your eyes adjust to the gloom, you hear muffled words emanating from the wreckage in the corner of the room. And amongst these crates, amongst these boxes, amongst the storage that has sat underneath this message station for all this time, one distinct crate stands out in the back of the room. It's glowing. Ur just landing, he's on one knee, and he brings himself up off the ground dusting his shoulders off.
1: Where's Dur- is Durvo around?
0: Durvo's not around. Not around, huh? As your eyes adjust to the darkness, you can see a half-destroyed crate sitting in the back of the room. There in front of you is the overturned crate. 300. In its vertical typeface, it's now horizontal and reads O-O-W. Callie speaks up. There it is. Crate 300! With the Oracle of War. Oracle of War, huh?
2: This thing is really off-putting. I don't like it. I don't trust it. The crate? The thing in the crate? The voice emanates from an
0: ornate wooden device sitting inside a broken packing box. Its body is decorated with sculptural reliefs of battle and set with brass cogs and gears. Divine enemy forces. All the more forged in this building except Sprocket.
3: Oh, mission accomplished. Now let's just get this back to salvation, huh guys? Easy task.
0: <laughs> this is season two of Eberron Chronicles Oracle of War. DM'd by Alex LaFerriere, played by Andrew Gallagher, Ian Seelig, and John Seelig, and is an Orange Eyes creative work. This is one chapter of Episode Two, "The Voice in the Machine," by Will Doyle, written as a D&D Adventurers League campaign. Influence this game and story at EberonChronicles.com. Tune in next week when our adventurers encounter.
3: Boys, looks like we found our crate. Let's get a move on. Kali, what is this thing? This is what we've been looking for all this time. How do we get this thing out of here? I haven't quite thought of that yet. (sighs) Typical, so short-sighted, Callie. come on.
0: I would have figured it out, just give me some time.
1: This thing could destroy the entire continent. Listen, we just gotta get you out of here. I
2: don't know about you guys, but I don't like to look at that tank thing. It's definitely menacing. If they're here for it, this is our chance. Attack!
0: Please rate and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. Email the show directly at speakingstone at You are our dragon shards and keep this show powered.